You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning, everyone up at the mills, and hello to everybody that might be listening on podcast this morning. I greet you on this first Sunday in June, on this beautiful day. And as uh, we begin this new month, we are beginning a new sermon series that we're calling FaceTime. And we're talking about experiencing God through prayer. If you want to follow along in your Riverside app, if you have a smartphone, you haven't downloaded the RCC app yet, you got to do that. There's always going to be sermon notes in there. You can follow along, take notes on your own there, or just do it the old-fashioned way with a pen and paper if you want to bring that along so that you might remember what we're talking about here today. But speaking of smartphones, um, you know, technology today is it's miraculous, is it not? I mean, come on. To think of the things that we could do now that we could never imagine years ago being able to do. One of which, the most amazing in my opinion, is, is FaceTime. Now when I was a child, when I was a young uh, guy, I had a paper route in my neighborhood and we'd walk around carrying the bag, you know, the old Pittsburgh uh, press. Uh, remember the press? It's not even around anymore. I'd carry the press after school and go around putting it in everybody's doors. And some of the times I'd walk around, I'd grab, I'd, I'd open up and I'd read the, read the comic strips as I'm, as I'm delivering the papers. And one of the comic strips that was around back then was Dick Tracy. Remember Dick Tracy? Now the thing about Dick Tracy that was the coolest of all the coolest things was his wristwatch that had video and audio communication. I would look at that back then and I would think, wow, that would be so cool if I could ever be anywhere I wanted to be and I could see and talk to somebody else without a phone attached to a wall with a dial thing that you had to dial up and you couldn't go any farther than the cord. And uh, now, and we can do that now. Whoever would imagine that I live to be able to see Dick Tracy's watch? in my pocket as I can walk around and FaceTime my daughter in California or my daughter up in Northeast PA or, or family or I FaceTime with, with Steve Pink in Cambodia, with Kevin Barner in Thailand. You can talk live on the computer or on your, on your iPad or on whatever with somebody in real time on the other side of the world. I don't know how that happens. It's miraculous. It's incredible. And I love it because it's a way to stay in relationship with the ones that we love. Isn't that the best thing about that? Is that we can stay in relationship with people that we love far easier today because communication is free. If you had to make an international phone call back then, the fact that you could even get through and then pay, you know, through the nose for every minute that you're trying to talk to somebody, uh, it's just incredible. You can do it now uh, virtually for free. The irony of all of that is the advances that we have today to connect with others, to be connected with anything and everything, I believe works against our ability to connect with God. There's, there's this irony here. I think the thing is we have so much information at our fingertips, so much human capacity and ingenuity that we can... We can fix our environment. We can shape our environment by pushing buttons. We can be so comfortable. We can entertain ourselves on demand for anything we want to see, anywhere we want to be, at any time we want to do it. 
that there's so much of that that's available at our fingertips right now that I believe that we grow independent and distant from the very one, the very one that our souls truly need to connect with because we're so connected here at this level. Would anybody agree with that? Do you, do you see? Okay. My theory is that when people lived more solitary and less technologically advanced lives, that they spent more face time with God. Now we spend face time with others and we don't spend face time with God because we try so hard in our ways and our strength to build a life. We, we try so hard to build, build a career, to build a family, even to build a church. And we can do so much with technology and our own abilities. But I remember the scriptures when Zechariah was commissioned to build the temple after the captivity of Israel and when they returned back. At, and, and, and God said to Zechariah, Zechariah, you're going to lead these people to build this temple. You're going to lay the foundation. You're going to lay the capstone. But I want you to know this. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And my desire for us this month is to realize that no matter how much technology we have, no matter how much capabilities and ingenuity, human ingenuity we have, we still need the Spirit of God if we're going to build a life that's pleasing to God. We still need, I said we still need the Spirit of God moving in our hearts, moving in our lives. When we gather together in His name, We can plan a great service. We can put good music together. I can do my best to prepare a good sermon that can be entertaining and memorable. But if it's not the Spirit of God that's moving in our midst, then we are not going to be able to move forward in life the way that I know that I want to and the way that God wants us to and the way that you want to. So I'm calling us back to have face time with God this month. The most untapped resource of our spiritual well-being, our moral character development, and and our relational capabilities is an ongoing connection with the Spirit of God in our lives. I just think that the contemplative life, that that one-on-one communication that we have with God is a dying species. We just don't see the contemplative person any longer because we are so connected at this level that we don't take time to connect at this level. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling the Spirit of God calling me to a deeper connection with God at that level. I just feel like I need it in my life. Does anybody else feel that way? Is anybody else with me here? Up at the mills, are you with me here? That's what we're going to be focusing on over this month. And to help us do that, we're going to give you some resources. If you want to get a good book that I recommend by Bill Hybels called Too Busy Not to Pray, we have this available in the book nook if you want to pick one up there. We are having a small group that's starting this week. Andrea Bender is starting it. It's going to be here in Oakmont in the cafe on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. Great place to come and just meet with others and talk about we're going to be praying specifically for our country and for the Americas uh, with SEAPC, our partner ministry here. We're going to give you guides to do that. 
And if you are on the Riverside Facebook page every day, there's going to be a prayer focus for you that's posted at 8 o'clock in the morning to help you. And also, if you're not aware of it, on our website, we do have a place for people to put prayer requests and for people to log in and see the prayer request and pray for one another. So those are just some of the things that we're going to be doing this month, and I want to encourage all of us, if we could do our best to, to tune out and tune in. Tune out at this level and begin to tune in more with the Lord and see, just see what kind of difference that makes in your walk with God and in your personal life. And if I want to grow into the person I want to be, the best me that I can be in the next phase of my life, then I must have face time with God. I must nurture that relationship that I have with God in the same way that if I want to stay connected to my daughter in California, I must talk to her on a regular basis and have FaceTime with her and Matt on a regular basis. Because if I don't, I will lose that connection. And how many of us have lost our connection with God because we've not had FaceTime with God as much as we should or as much as... But here's the thing. When we think of prayer as something I must do, it becomes a job. We don't do it. I don't FaceTime my daughter because I must. I FaceTime my daughter because I get to do it. I get to do it. And when it comes to prayer, it's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. God wants to be close to you. God wants to be in your walk, in your daily life. God is there all the time, standing by your side. All we need to do is connect. And so that's what we're challenging all of us to do. So what we're going to do is each week we're going to take a look at some biblical characters who had FaceTime connections with God. And today I want to focus on Moses. I'm going to look at two instances in Moses' life. And if you have a Bible with you or you want to grab one of the Bibles in the seats in front of you, then I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 33. That's the first one we're going to look at. And then we're also going to look at another one back in, in uh, Exodus chapter 17. So, so uh, take a look with me there in, in Exodus chapter 33. And... Let me just set the scene for you here. Uh, if you know the story of Moses, Moses led the people out of Egypt. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But then uh, they go to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God. The cloud comes down. The glory, you know, the earth trembles. The people are in awe of God. Moses is up on the mountain. And he's up there for a long time. So long, in fact, that the people down in the camp below the, the cloud where Moses is hearing from God, getting the Ten Commandments and all the instructions about how to worship God and get to know God and their identity. And so, so the people are getting restless down the camp. What happened to Moses? He got lost. Moses isn't coming back. He died up on the mountain. Let's make our own God. They throw their gold into the fire. Up pops a golden calf, supposedly. But, you know, they probably did that on their own because that's how the Egyptians worshipped. That's all they knew. Let's make a God out of golden. Let's make a calf to worship. And they start parting around the fire and the golden calf. And Moses comes down and God's ready to kill all the people. And Moses intercedes and prays, God, please don't do that. So Moses, the mediator, intercedes for the people. God spares them some of the destruction that could have been theirs, although there's a plague that affects them. And that brings us to chapter 33. And God has called Moses to set the people free from Egypt. We talk about our freedom in Christ, as we sang about just a little while ago. Freedom from bondage, freedom from sin, freedom from the things that hold us down. And so 
And so they're going to be set free, but they're going to go to. It's not freedom from. Also, it's freedom to the promises that God has for us. So the promised land is symbolic of that for we, for we Christians today. But God was going to send them to Canaan, to the promised land. And, 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 and so we see in, in chapter 33, God tells Moses, lead the people into the land that I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God says, and I'm going to send an angel to go with you to help drive out the tribes in the land. Then he says to Moses, God says to Moses in this FaceTime conversation and metaphorically speaking there, he says, but I will not go with you because these are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy them all the way. And Moses says, whoa, whoa. How can it be the promised land if we go up there without you, God? We have to go with you. Now, Exodus 33, verse 7, it says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away from the people, and it was called the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out of the tent, all the people would rise, and they'd stand at the entrance of their tents. And they'd watch Moses as he entered his, the tent of meeting. And as Moses went into the tent, then this pillar of cloud would come down, stand at the entrance of the tent. So when Moses went into the tent, it was different than when other people went into the tent. And then it would say, and then the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Don't you wish you could do that? Pitch a tent in your backyard. Just go out there and God would show up and talk to you. And you had a question about God. God, I have, I'm wondering this about you. Can it really be true? God, did, was there really a virgin birth? God, really, was Jesus really literally rose from? God, I really have these questions. God, I'm concerned. God, I don't know about this thing in my life. Which decision should I make? Should I take this job or that job? Or should I marry this person or that person? Wouldn't it be great? If you could just pitch a tent in your backyard, whatever questions you had, whatever concerns, direction you had, you could talk to God face to face. That would just be cool. That would be option. Or that would be just awesome. We read about these characters in the Bible who had these FaceTime experiences with God. We say, God, why, why can't we do that? Why, why isn't that? Why can't that be me? What's wrong with me? But here's the issue. We mortal beings... Trying to have a relationship with an immortal God is, is not easy. Let's just all agree with that. It's hard enough to have a relationship with your family members, with the people you live with face-to-face with other human beings. It's hard enough to, have a, to maintain a relationship with those people, let alone with the unseen God, with this immortal being, the creator of the universe. I mean, we can go golfing, we can go fishing, we can go out and hang around, go shopping, we can sit around a coffee table and have conversations, but we just, we just don't, don't have that type of relationship that we can with God. So how do we do that? How do we maintain an intimate relationship with God? How do we sustain that kind of a relationship with a being that is so different than us? Let me just look at Moses for a second. First thing I want you to say that it doesn't say that Moses saw God face to face. In fact, later on in the story, we see that 
Moses says, I want to see your glory. I want to see your presence. And God has to hide him in the cleft of the rock as God somehow mysteriously passes by. But he says, I will not let you see my face because nobody can see my face and live. It says that God would speak to Moses as face to face. He would speak to him. He would hear him. But I could see God's face, obviously. But, but I want you to know that intimacy with God comes as we spend time with God. And over time, it is cumulative. I think Moses by this time is 80 years old. This is not the first conversation Moses had with God. In fact, you remember, it started 40 years earlier when he saw this bush that was burning, and yet, yet it wouldn't burn up, and God spoke to him at the burning bush, and that was the beginning of his call to lead the people. And so we see over, over 40 years, Moses is nurturing this, this sort of communication with God, this ability to, to hear, and, and, hear and, and listen to the Spirit's voice speaking to him. Was it audible? Well, I think in Moses' case, there was audibles. Can we hear God audibly now? I've never heard the audible voice of God, and, and I am seriously questioning those who say they did. I think I'm a skeptic like you are in that regard. And yet, I do believe that the Spirit of God can speak to our spirits if we tune in to the Spirit of God. And knowing how what is God's voice and what is my own imagination takes time to, to, to learn. God speaks most clearly in God's word. And I think if you want to hear God speak clearly, that's where you hear God speak in the revealed word of God. But I do want to believe that, or I do want to say that older saints, old, people who've been living as followers of Jesus over time, I believe have an intimacy with God that those who are younger don't have. And the, the older saints among us who've been believers for their whole life or for long periods of time have had experience with God that younger folks have not had. They, they've wrestled through some of the big questions. They've gone through the great losses of life. They have seen history evolve longer than you and I or others have, or I probably longer than many of you younger folks have. And I just believe that we would do well to spend time with the Larry Kennards and the others among us who we know have walked with God for a long time. I used to cherish my breakfast meetings at Eaton Park in Monroeville with Robert Owen. Every so often, my mentor, my pastor who died several a year ago, a little over a year ago, and, 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 and I used to cherish the times that I would meet with him because I would learn more about God by just talking with this man and seeing the overflow of the history of his life. And I, and I, and I, and I feel like Moses had that. And the point I want to make is that investing time with God pays invaluable dividends. Investing time with God. Time. 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 In the morning. In the evening. In the middle of the day. Time. God, here I am. God, you see me today. God, help me in the next hour and a half or two hours in this appointment to stay tuned to you and to stay tuned to that person I'm meeting with. Help me, God, when 
when I feel the urge to give in to that temptation, God, to, to remember who I am and whose I am. And God, help me to know how to make the right decisions when this person's attacking me, when I'm feeling the pressure to get this job done by this deadline. God, I want to do it well. God, God, help me. I just want to take, I want to take a deep breath, God. I want to just settle. I want you to speak to my heart. I mean, that's the kind of time we need to have, the walk with God that we need to have. Do you remember when Peter and John, the first disciples, were... <clears throat> God, on the day of Pentecost, did some amazing things, and this, the Spirit of God was drawing people, and Peter's preaching about the resurrection of Jesus, and they coming and getting baptized. And, not, and the Sanhedrin says, well, this is getting out of control. We're the, we're the people in control, and we don't have control over this. Let's get Peter and John. What are you doing? Why is this happening? And it says, I love it in Acts, where it says that now when, when they saw that the boldness, they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. What was the difference? They spent time with Jesus. So what evidence do you have in your life that you're spending time with Jesus? Where's the evidence in your workplace or in your family that your life is different because you've spent time with Jesus. One thing I do believe, a lot of people are hung up on prayer because they don't know how to pray. They feel like they have to be, you know, formal or speak in King James English or whatever. And what I see here is that God spoke to Moses face-to-face as one speaks to a friend. Just talk to God like he's your friend. Just talk to God. Well, that sounds a little childish. I mean, I had imaginary friends when I was a child. Is that the same thing? Well, you can use your imagination to talk to God. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But when you talk, listen to the Spirit. All right. Now, here's the other thing. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Write this down. God is as close to you as you want God to be. Moses said, when God said to Moses, you're going into the promised land, you're going to lead these people, but I'm not going with you. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. So God, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I will know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Now show me your glory. Moses says, God, I'm not going without you. I'm not doing it without you. God, I can't do it without you. 
God, I need you. I am not going to be a leader that you want me to be if your presence doesn't go with me. And what's interesting is the word for my presence is my face. I will, my face, God says, my face would go with you. And, and in that culture, the face means I'm going to look upon you as a parent pays attention to their child to protect them, to keep them from harm, to watch out over them lest they stray or lest somebody come and, and steal them. Parents, your face is on your little child, is it not? You'll never let them out. Do you ever, do you ever lose your child? Do you, do you remember the panic that you felt when you're at the Kennywood and all of a sudden you turn around and your kids are out there? Oh my gosh. I mean, that's scary. God says, I will watch over, my face will be with you. And Moses says, if you don't go, I'm not going. We can talk to God as one talks to a friend, but here's the big thought. God is a friend that I cannot live without. God is a friend I cannot live without. He's a friend, but he is not our equal. Can I, I don't want to diminish the awesome holiness of God. By, 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 there's, this, there's this balancing act. God who is holy and holy other than us, and yet God who is our friend. I don't want to diminish the awesomeness of God because I talk to God as my buddy, God as my friend, because God is so much greater than me, and that's why I need him. But what God is wanting me to know is, please, though I am this, I am close to you. I want to be close to you. Jeremiah said, for I know, God, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I am as intimate with God as I want to be. God isn't the one that moved away from me. I have moved away from God. God is there all the time. If we would allow ourselves to come close to God, God will come close to us. So God is our friend. God wants us to come to God and get close to God and is as close as we can be. One other thing, and then we're going to have communion together. I just want to touch on this briefly. I could take a much longer time to do this. But, but in Exodus chapter 17, I want to talk about one other incident in Moses' life. This is before the incident that I just read. So we're going back in time. Moses just led the people out of Egypt through the Red Sea. They face all kinds of trouble right away. Can you imagine a million people set free from bondage, free to go into the promised land, but between the land of Egypt and between the promised land, there's the Sinai Peninsula. And how many of you know that is desert? That is desert. So he leads them into a desert. Million people strong going into the desert. They don't have water. They don't have food. They run out about three days. They're screaming. I want to go back to Egypt. What did you do to us, Moses? This is terrible. They drink from one place and it's all salty water. God turns it into fresh water. They get water. Another place, God gives them water out of rock. Run out of food, manna, and punchki, or I mean quail, and punchkis, or quail, and manna. <clears throat> and um, God provides for them. You, you had to have been here. Just You had to have been here. Um, so, so quail and manna, God provides for them. And, 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 and here they, 
they're, they're making movement. They're starting to get subtraction. And all of a sudden, Exodus 17, 8, it says, While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek. This is Esau's great-grandchildren. The warriors of Amalek attacked them. And Moses, I mean, these are, these are slaves. They've never been trained as soldiers. Moses commands Joshua, choose some of the men and go out and fight uh, the army of Amalek for us. And tomorrow I'm going to go to the top of the hill and I'm going to hold the staff of God and, and my hand. And so Joshua did what Moses commanded and he fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hands, the Israelites had the advantage. But when he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. So Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. They stood on each side of Moses holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. What, is, what, what can we take away from this real quickly? This is a desperate situation. Unexpected, out of the blue, they are under attack. Something has to happen. Moses sends Joshua. Moses goes up to the mountain and he raises his hands with a staff in his arm. He reaches out to God. You know, some people in their worship, they don't raise their hands. Can I tell you, if you read the scriptures throughout the Old Testament and New, raising your hands was a very normal, common act of worship in scripture. And when I see Moses here raising his hands to God, I, I imagine a little child who just fell down and had a boo-boo and cries out to their mommy or daddy, mommy, dad, and reaches out. Oh, I'm hurting. I need you to come from, I need you to rescue me. I need you to help me. And so he is raising his hands up. God, rescue us. God, we need you. God, I have to have you. And so when we come and we raise our hands and worship to God, it's a way of praying to God, saying, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, I have to have you. God, I thank you that you're God and you're bigger and I'm not. And I reach my hands out to you for rescue. It might mean I reach out and surrender, whatever you... But that's why we raise our hands to God. Psalm 28, I hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. As I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Psalm 141, I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Lamentations, symbolic of care and concern. He says, lift up your hands to him for the lives of your children who faint from hunger at every corner. So I lift up my hands as dependence to God, as a helpless child. I lift up my hands saying, God, you know, I, 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 I want to care and I want to stretch out my arms. Moses, as he was doing that, was interceding for the people too. He's still the mediator and he reaches out his arms. He's saying, as long as I do this. He noticed when his arms got tired, they would lose. When they were, and it speaks of intercession. It speaks of praying for people that are in crises. Praying for others that are in crisis when we raise our hands in prayer. God, I want to stretch my arms out as if I could reach out around them and hug them and pray for them. God, I want you to reach your arms around them. 
So I raise my arms out wide in intercession for others, symbolic of spiritual warfare. God, I need you to fight this battle for me. I need you to fight this battle for them. God, I want to join with you in praying for them. In conclusion, God sees the battles you face. He sees the battles you face against the enemy of your soul. He sees the battles you face in life. And what God did was he lifted up a staff on a hill. As Moses went up on the hill and lifted the staff of God, God lifted up a staff and put it at the top of Calvary. And he lifted Jesus up on that staff. And Jesus stretched his arms out wide. And Jesus, the mediator between God and man, as Moses mediated between God and the people, Jesus, the Bible says, now is stretching his arms out wide for you and for me. God is praying for us right now. What shall we say to these things, Paul said? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also be graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against us? If God justifies us, who can condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and is indeed interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God stretched his arms out wide on the cross. And God is now praying for you. And he wants you to draw near to him. He's there closer than anybody in your life. I'm going to invite David at the mills and the musicians to take their place at the mills and here to come. Because I want to pray. I want to pray. Every Sunday, nurseries, I want to pray specifically for some things. And I want us corporately to join ourselves together. The Bible says when two or three are gathered together and agree, God is going to meet us. God is going to be in this place. And I want to close with a prayer time. And then we're going to partake of communion together. And when we do that, I'm going to have you step up from your seats and come down the middle aisle and then grab the elements and have your communion with God. I want you to let your elements today be your face time with God. And whatever your cares and concerns are, I want you to come to God. And he is as close to you as those elements are. Bow your heads with me, if you would, please. Where in your life do you need to say, God, I need you. I can't go forward from this place without you.
What have, you, what have you been holding back from God? And you need to just say that to God. God, I'm not going to go without you. And, and what are the battles that you may be facing? And really, who is it that you, if you're up on the mountain and you see a friend or a family member or somebody that you know that's in crises, who do you need to be praying for? So those, those three things. It's about where do you need to move forward without, with God in your life? What are the battles you're facing and who do you need to pray for? Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.